This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the Wednesday night edition of the program. If you want to join us uh, live, feel free to call into the show, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Uh, we're going to get into a number of things tonight, uh, not the least of which is uh, the reaction to the hearing today uh, with uh, the big tech CEOs. Uh, the CEOs of Meta and TikTok and others who were testifying on Capitol Hill. And I want to get into that. I also want to get into a little bit of uh, what's going on in the world of higher education, where we see so much spilling over, right? They're, they're, they closed the school, and this wasn't higher education, this was elementary education, but they closed the school, I don't know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, to make space for illegal aliens, right? That that legit happened in New York City, and they put these kids on um, remote instruction, so they're doing it online, school online. Parents are probably having to stay home from work so they could stay with their kids. You know, doesn't matter if we inconvenience people because we have to make space for the illegal aliens. That's uh, number one. Then you have number two in New York City. Um, this was a classic one. There's a video of a cop trying to take somebody into custody, two cops, and then as they're doing it, Five or four or five guys uh, surround these cops. They start kicking them while they're down on the ground, tussling with the guy. Uh, it turns out they're all illegal immigrants, and they don't have any respect for authority. That happened. Uh, we also have, uh, so we're going to have some discussion on that. Uh, we're also going to talk about the mayor, not the mayor, the governor, right? You have the governor of the city of New York that, in effect, uh, said, let's deport them for beating up the cops, Kathy Hochul. Listen, I rarely agree with her, but uh, looks like she's under attack for saying let's deport them because you can't say things like that, right? You're not allowed. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later on about, you know, what happened with this video that went viral yesterday of cops getting beat up by a bunch of uh, uh, illegal aliens. I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing that's going on uh, as far as I can tell, right? I mean, it just, it, I hadn't seen this before, right? I've never seen a, a group of illegal immigrants beating up the NYPD in my lifetime, but that's where we are now. Let me see here. Um, next story I want to talk about. 
Uh, oh, here's the, this is a classic. This was from last night. I, di- I didn't get to it. Hezbollah terrorists claim they're going to stop attacking U.S. troops to prevent embarrassment for Baghdad. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it just doesn't get more rich than that one, right? And we got a bunch of clips of audio that I want to get to. I also want to talk a little bit about what's happening with this uh, race for president. Right. There's now some talk about RFK Jr. potentially um, running as a libertarian. Right. He was um, making an independent run. He decided not to challenge Biden. And honestly, I don't know why. I think the best thing that RFK Jr. could have done was run against Biden, challenge him and force him to debate. Then even if he doesn't get the nomination, he could then come back with the momentum he's gained over all these months with people, you know, while he was campaigning. And then he could run as an independent. Why not? But he didn't do that. So now there's talk about this. Honestly, I got to tell you, uh, I think RFK Jr. would have had a good shot at making a good impact um, with his campaign. I don't know if he could win or not, but I know he could have made a good impact. But I think he's taken away his own ability to um, to actually to make that impact because you, you need to be in the game, right? You can't run for president if you're not out there running for president. So sadly, that's that's the case there. Now, I want to talk about uh, a little bit about Director Ray because he was on Capitol Hill today as well. And he says that they are not going to be prosecuting, uh, prosecuting, excuse me, any nonviolent Hamas protesters. Now, what's interesting is they totally did prosecute all of the nonviolent January 6th uh, uh, people, right? Everybody who was protesting outside, people didn't, didn't even go in the building, right? We talked with Brandon Strzok a number of times on this program. He was making a video outside the Capitol and um, got charged with all sorts of stuff. Uh, lately, they used a, a KKK charge against him, if you remember the last time he came on. I mean, it's just absolutely insane, the things that they're doing. So it makes me wonder, why? Why are they not uh, charging the um, pro-Hamas militants or protesters uh, with anything. But Christopher Ray was saying this on Capitol Hill. Check this out. Director Ray, uh, could you assure the American public today that no nonviolent protester about a ceasefire of the Middle East will be investigated or surveilled by the FBI? Uh, we are not going to be investigating nonviolent First Amendment activity. And can you just assure whatever their position is on the Middle East or the 2024 election, if there is an American who's out there engaged in expressing their view, whether that is for a ceasefire or whatever that is, the FBI is not going to be investigating them or surveilling them. Our mission is to protect the American people and uphold the Constitution, and we intend to do both. We embrace both parts of that mission. In our view, it doesn't matter what you're ticked off about or who you're ticked off at. There's a right way under the First Amendment to exercise those views, and we're going to help protect that. And there's a wrong way to exercise those views, and that's violence and threats, and we are going to investigate that. So there you have Director Ray saying, look, we're not doing anything. You've heard what he said. To, to that I say, man, this guy, I, I wish I could say I think he's in the best interest of the people, but I just don't. I think he's in the best interest of himself. And and those in the political class that that he protects, um, he's not here to protect the people. He's here to be kind of like a henchman for the political class of both sides. Right. Just wh- whatever seems to be most expedient at the time. A- and that's a shame. And, and I think that spills over into real life. And we saw it happening in Florida. 
not too long ago when DeSantis was going at Disney and Disney was coming back at him. And they um, they filed a lawsuit against him. Right. Switching gears a little bit here when uh, they had that back and forth with the um, the property there in, in uh, Orlando. And today, a federal judge tossed out Disney's lawsuit. And I'll, I'll tell you how it goes. I don't convolute it for you. Right. This is in uh, in the Hill, by the way. Uh, former judge today tossed Disney's lawsuit against DeSantis out, saying that uh, it accused him and other officials of unconstitutionally retaliating against Disney for political reasons. U.S. District Judge Alan Windsor, uh, an appointee of uh, former President Trump's, ruled that Disney lacked the legal standing to sue DeSantis and that the company's free speech claims also failed on the merits. The ruling hands a major win to DeSantis in his escalating legal fight with the entertainment conglomerate, which has a major presence in the state through its flagship uh, Disney World property. A lengthy battle between Disney and the governor um, ensued after he signed the Parental Rights and Education Act, which many people decided to call, critics of it, called the Don't Say Gay Bill back in March of 2022. Uh, the law restricts instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in classrooms, preventing teachers uh, from kindergarten through third grade from teaching lessons on those topics of gender identity and sexual orientation. It also prohibits all teachers through 12th grade from instruction on topics that are not age appropriate, according to the bill. <clears throat> now, at the time, Bob uh, Kapek was the um, CEO of Disney. He criticized the legislation after it was passed, calling it a challenge to basic human rights. That's an interesting way of putting it. <laughs> and uh, he vowed to work to repeal the law and support advocacy groups that were fighting against similar bills in other states. Obviously, uh, he got tossed out. They brought back Bob Iger. And we saw Disney lose a ton of money, right? People just gave up on Disney. In the aftermath... Uh, Florida legislation moved to revoke a special status that the company had, giving it some self-governing power for their uh, 25,000 acre theme park. And we remember when that happened. And DeSantis signed uh, legislation dissolving the district that was known as uh, the Reedy Creek Improvement District last February and created a new board. Disney then sued DeSantis and uh, the Commerce Secretary and members of the new board, accusing them of politically retaliating against the company in violation of their free speech rights. Windsor granted DeSantis's motion to dismiss Disney's lawsuit by finding that the company had no legal standing, meaning the right to sue. Disney has not alleged any specific actions the new board took or will take because of the governor's alleged control, Windsor wrote in his 17-page opinion. Um, let's see here. This thing wraps up here, saying if Disney um, had an actual claim that they would have you know, been able to move forward. So big win for DeSantis on this one and uh, a surprising one, but a, a win for, I think, for all Americans where, you know, you kind of check some corporate power and we, we oftentimes don't see that happening. Some will say that this is not checking corporate power, but um, allowing uh, the government to, to try to silence uh, a corporation. I don't think that's the case. Who's silencing Disney, right? They own everything. So anyway, your thoughts on that when we continue. And, of course, I want to get into this tech censorship debate that happened on Capitol Hill today with CEOs making their case and even one of them apologizing. Mark Zuckerberg offered a mea culpa, and we've got the audio. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. 
with Rich Valdez. So the CEOs of big tech firms were on Capitol Hill today, and some of them got pressed really hard by uh, Republican senators. And we've got a clip of audio that I want you to hear of uh, Senator Josh Hawley ripping into Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, Zuckerberg subsequently uh, then stops for a mea culpa. Uh, It's not the full clip, but I have a good piece of the clip, and I want you to check it out. Did I hear you say in your opening statement that there's no link between mental health and social media use? Senator, what I said is I think it's important to look at the science. I know it's people widely talk about this as if that is something that's already been proven. And I think that the bulk of the scientific evidence does not support that. Well, really, let, let me just remind you of some of the science from your own company. Instagram studied the effect of your platform on teenagers. Let me just read you some quotes from the Wall Street Journal's report on this. Company researchers found that Instagram is harmful for a sizable percentage of teenagers, most notably teenage girls. Here's a quote from your own study. Quote, we make body image issues worse for one in three teen girls. Here's another quote. Teens blamed Instagram, this is your study, for increases in the rate of anxiety and depression. This reaction was unprompted and consistent across all groups. That's your study. Senator, we try to understand the uh, the feedback and, and how people feel about the services. We can improve. Wait a minute. Your own, da- your are- own study says that you make life worse for one in three teenage girls. You increase no, Senator, anxiety and depression. Says. That's what it says. And you're here testifying to us in public that there's no link. You've been doing this for years. For so years, you've been coming in public and testifying under oath that there's absolutely no link. Your product is wonderful. The science is nascent. Full speed ahead. While internally, you know full well your product is a disaster for teenagers. Senator, and yet you keep true. right on doing what you're doing. Right? That's not true. That's not true. Let me let me t- let me show you some other but facts I, mean, you, I know you, that you're you familiar carry, with. You I, well, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's, I mean, not a that's, that's, that's not a question. That's not a question. Those are facts, Mr. Zuckerberg. That's, that's not, not a question. That's, those aren't facts. Here, let me show you some more facts. Here are some here's some information from a whistleblower who came before the Senate, testified under oath in public. He worked for you, a senior executive. Here's what he showed. He found when he studied your products. So, for example, this is girls between the ages of 13 and 15 years old. 37% of them reported that they had been exposed to nudity on the platform, unwanted, in the last seven days. 24% said that they had experienced unwanted sexual advances they'd been propositioned in the last seven days. 17% said they had encountered self-harm content pushed at them in the last seven days. Now, I know you're familiar with these stats because he sent you an email where he lined it all out. I mean, we've got a copy of it right here. My question is, who did you fire for this? Who got fired because of that? Senator, we study all of this because it's important and we want to improve our services. Well, you just told and me a second ago you studied it, but there was no linkage. Who Senator, did you fire? You, I said you mischaracterized. 37% of teenage girls between 13 and 15 were exposed to unwanted nudity in a week on Instagram. You knew about it. Who did you fire? Senator, this is why we're building all Who these did you fire? Tools. Senator, that's, I don't think that that's... Who did you fire? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to answer that. Because um, <laughs> I mean, you didn't is, fire anybody, right? You didn't take Senator, any significant I, I action. It's appropriate to talk about... It's not appropriate. Do you know who's sitting behind you? You've got families from across the nation whose children are either severely harmed or gone, 
And you don't think it's appropriate to take a, talk about steps that you took? The fact that you didn't fire a I, single person? Our Senator Josh Hawley deserves a standing ovation for this one. I think his uh, questioning of Zuckerberg was right on point. And Hawley, um, when he prompts him to look behind him, Zuckerberg does get up. And he actually turns around and apologizes to the families. Now, if you know how the setup works in, in Capitol Hill, you're sitting at this kind of like a dais type of thing with a microphone in front of you, with a little uh, placard in front of you, a little tent card that says Mr. Zuckerberg or whatever. And he's, you know, facing off against those guys who are like in a U-shaped table, uh, the senators that are, you know, doing the questioning. And Zuckerberg does get up out of his chair. He turns around. He faces these families um, when uh, prompted to, and he offers an apology. Listen to this. You haven't that's compensated a single not, victim. Let me ask you said. this. Let me ask you this. There's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? I, Would I'm, you like to do so now? Well, They're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? And you couldn't hear the beginning. It's because, he, again, he's away from the mic when he's addressing the families face to face. But he says, I apologize to you and I'm sorry that your families had to suffer. And then he goes into the rest of it that I think you were able to hear. And uh, I think this is outstanding, again, because honestly, that's the only way to do it, right? If Zuckerberg would have said, well, you know, I don't think it's appropriate to answer uh, HR decisions, like he was stonewalling with uh, Senator Hawley, he might have been scared to leave that place, right? Because he knows it's true. He's got the data. They discovered, and they, what they discovered was so bad that they, um, they had to come forward with this information because if someone else would have come forward, it may have destroyed them. I don't know if you remember that Wall Street Journal report, which I would bet was leaked by someone from Facebook. If I remember right, I think that's exactly how it went. They, they decided that they were going to do this. Anyway, I want to bring in uh, someone from the Media Research Center because this guy knows exactly what's going on. Dan Schneider is vice president of the Media Research Center, Free Speech America. He's with us now. We're about to take a pause because Senator Hawley went overtime on his comments. But Dan Schneider, welcome. Rich, it's always great to be on your show. Your audience is super smart, so it's always fun to talk to you and, and have them participate. Oh, thank you, brother. And we're coming right back to you because you're also super smart, and I want you to help break this down because you guys at MRC, the Media Research Center, you guys do an amazing job, especially uh, with your Free Speech America project. So we're going to learn more about that and get your reaction to Zuckerberg and the rest of the CEOs today on Capitol Hill. Folks, don't go anywhere. We're just getting started. It's Rich Valdez, America at Night, our special guest, Dan Schneider. Don't go anywhere. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.
Uh, by the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations. I had somebody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, <laughs> even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing? Are people listening, right? That's but right. You're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back, amigos. And we continue our discussion with Dan Schneider, vice president of the Media Research Center's Free Speech America Project. And uh, Dan Schneider, you heard the clip from Senator Hawley. You heard the apology from Mark Zuckerberg. I think, personally, this was um, a brilliant move on behalf of Hawley because it left Zuckerberg with very little wiggle room to to be defiant, to, to try and be slick and to just walk away from it. I think he had to own up to it. What What do you think? Yeah, we've seen Mark Zuckerberg not do well under pressure in, in you know, both in yeah. congressional hearings and also in interviews. And when he's pushed, he tends to cave. He tends to reveal the truth, which is which, you know, uh, if if you were his general counsel or communications director, you'd be furious that he's being, you know, he's, he's coming <laughs> right. clean. Uh, but, you know, the, you know, for the most part, these other tech executives did not come clean. But right. Zuckerberg eventually came clean, and he apologized you know, to these families for the harm caused by Facebook. And then, of course, he somewhat gratuitously added, and that's why Facebook is leading the efforts to you know, create all these products to help people down the road. Yeah, that he, he, I'm sure he felt like he had to put a fig leaf on to, to, to cover up his <laughs> nudity that he just exposed everyone to. But you know, Facebook... Twitter, you know, the old Twitter, um, all of these firms, they have been engaged in lots of bad conduct and they can't help themselves. They make so much money and they are out to change the world in some radical left-wing way. They just can't resist all attempts to be indecent. Yeah, sadly, right? Um, but I, I think it was um, a, a good move on their behalf. Now, overall, I don't know if the, if this is just um, a little bit of fodder for guys like me on the radio that want to talk about this. I don't know how much comes out of a hearing like this other than, you know, I guess my question to you is, in your opinion, do you think this type of expose really brings in that many more people to the national conversation uh, from the American public saying, oh, look, I bet you didn't know this was going on? Or do you think it's the usual suspects, the same people that already knew what was going on that are waiting for action to be taken? See, Rich, this is why your show is so good, because Thanks. you really see the next level. You really go beyond the surface. Why was there this hearing today? Yeah. Did we learn anything new? Did, right. did anybody not believe that, that Facebook you know, causes harm? I mean, we learned some new, new data points that you know, girls 13 to 15, 37% of them are exposed to un, you know, wanted, unrequested nude pictures. I mean, there were some details, but we already knew the basics of this. So why the hearing today, the same week that Alejandro Mayorkas has articles of impeachment right. filed against him? <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if, you know, the, who gets to control the hearing schedule in the Senate? Well, Chuck Schumer. And who in mm -hmm. judiciary? Well, Dick Durbin. Democrats, some of the most radical Democrats in Congress, decide this week to hold a hearing on, you know, the tech companies that, by the way, the Democrats hate these particular ones. The Democrats hate. Yeah, everybody hates. So, them. yeah. So, look, uh, I don't want to think of myself as a, a jaded person, 
but I, I, uh, you know, I've been working in this town a long time and I, I've, I've seen these, these leaders operate on both sides of the aisle and you have to ask yourself why. And I think it's my hypothesis that this was done in part to provide cover for the Biden administration and Alejandro Mayorkas from DHS, who's, you know, who's going to be impeached soon, I hope, um, to direct the American, American attention away from the bad things of the Biden administration and toward the bad things of big tech. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you're spot on uh, because I didn't see anything uh, major come out of it that would change anything. They weren't really pushing any new legislation. And honestly, I don't even know if I support a, a ton of legislation that would be um, um, imposed on a private company. I think you, you can impose legislation that will protect children. Obviously, that's always paramount. But uh, apart from that, it seemed like a, a warmed over more of the same kind of thing. Where, you know, if you if I was Holly, I would have done the same thing. Said, oh, I, I, I could tee this up pretty good. I already know what to say because, you know, it's the same story. and There's nothing really revelatory that's coming out of it. And I think that that highlights the problem that we see coming out of Washington on a regular basis is that it's almost designed. I shouldn't say almost. I think it's literally designed to always perpetuate more of the same so that when push comes to shove, they know exactly what to do. They know what to say. You get Nancy Pelosi saying the Constitution every now and again, right? If you push her enough, she'll say things like it's about the Constitution. I, I doubt she could even mm-hmm. you know, she's even read the Constitution, but she'll always cite mm-hmm. the Constitution. And Joe Biden goes out there and he starts saying things that, you know, we got to make things in America. It just, it's, 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 it's so silly to me. But this is what they do, Dan Schneider. And I feel like it's such an insult to Americans. And what do you what do we do? Well, uh, let me just point out a couple of the good guys in this hearing. Senator Kennedy, yeah, he called talking. out one of the worst culprits in this whole thing. And, and I do think there is plenty that Congress should do to address the abuses of big tech. And I'm a, you know, a conservative, a genuine conservative of the classical liberal stripe. So lots of people might think it, that it's odd that a guy who distrusts government as much as I do, says, you know, sees a government role here, but I certainly do. Uh, but Senator Kennedy, you know, the crafty, clever, smart senator from uh, Louisiana, he called out Chuck Schumer. He said, uh, and I've got the quote somewhere around here, but essentially it was, go to Amazon and buy a spine, Chuck, and get some <laughs> of this legislation moving. You heard Amy Klobuchar, you know, complained that you know, these bills don't move. Well, why don't they move? Dick Durbin is the Senate Judiciary Committee chairman. Chuck Schumer is the majority leader. They can bring any bill up on the Senate floor any time they want. So, you know, big tech, you know, these senators were complaining big tech does nothing. They don't have to because the Biden administration protects them. They don't have to fear Congress. These Senate Democrats don't do a thing. And, and look, the Senate, you know, House Republicans, you know, they're kind of divided on some of these issues and nothing happens there either. There are serious problems and uh, no elected, no body, uh, no formal body of members of Congress are pushing any genuine reforms. There are some individuals who are great, great. But, uh, you know, the Senate Democrats, they are running and hiding. By the way, Rich, yeah, here's a blinding glimpse of the obvious. These CEOs were compelled to appear, some mm-hmm. technically voluntarily, but they were told if you don't appear, you're going to get a subpoena. 
some of these CEOs refused to appear without being forced to appear because of a subpoena. So Chuck Schumer and Dick Durbin could require any CEO they wanted. So, Rich, where was Google's CEO? Right. Google, the worst of them all. Yep, the biggest Google, who was the subject of a big, the big Supreme Court case where the question was whether Google be, could be held liable for directing people to terrorist donation pages and, and, and these terrorists killing people. Could the, could the families of murdered victims of terrorists sue Google for Google actually helping to fund terrorism? So why was Google Crazy. not in the hot seat today? And I'll tell you the answer. It's because Google is the single greatest asset the Democrats have to win the election in 2024. So Google avoids being a target of this investigation. They avoid having to testify. Who testifies? Well, Twitter, now X. You know, Democrats hate that. And they hate Facebook. They still hate Mark Zuckerberg because Donald Trump used Facebook effectively to help win the 2016 election. And, uh, and they hate, it's easy to hate TikTok because it's Chinese control. So they can say all they want about TikTok. Th- these Democrats cherry-picked the companies they hate and protected, protected the companies they like from public scrutiny. And this, you call me, again, some of your listeners might think I'm awfully jaded, but, or, or maybe I just know how this town works. Yeah, I think it's more uh, it's more the latter. And uh, I think I think I I think a it's okay to be jaded and it's also okay to understand how the town works. Right. That's the reality. I feel sometimes like I'm really jaded, too. But I I realize there are realities. And part of our responsibility, I think, is to bring those response, those realities to the table so people can see them so that you can get people that are not jaded. You can get people that are altruistic and and idealistic and ready to bring, you know, um, a new Tea Party movement, right? You, only people who are fresh and ready and, and those happy conservative warriors can can bring that kind of action. And uh, sometimes it takes hearing a little bit of the truth to get people going. Folks, we're on with Dan Schneider from the Media Research Center. We're going to continue our conversation straight ahead. Uh, I want you to hear what the CEO of TikTok had to say. I remember the last time I heard him testify, he was a little snippy with everybody. Don't go anywhere. Coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We continue our conversation with Dan Schneider. He's uh, vice president with the Media Research Center. And Dan Schneider, earlier we talked about the CEO of TikTok. His name is Sho Chu. And uh, he had a discussion over censorship and China's data collection with Senator Ted Cruz. Listen to this. Now, you said earlier, you said, and I wrote this down, we have not been asked for any data by the Chinese government, and we have never provided it. I'm going to tell you, and I told this when you and I met last week in my office, I do not believe you. And I'll tell you, the American people don't either. If you look at what is on TikTok in China, you are promoting to kids science and math videos, educational videos, and you limit the amount of time kids can be on TikTok. 
In the United States, you are promoting to kids self-harm videos and anti-Israel propaganda. Why is there such a dramatic difference? Senator, that but, is just not accurate. Uh, there is there, a there's lot not of a difference between what kids see in China and what kids see here? Senator, TikTok is not available in China. It's a separate experience there. Okay. What I'm but, saying but is... But you, you have a, a company that is essentially the same, except it promotes beneficial materials instead of harmful materials. That is not true. We have a lot of science and math content here on TikTok. There's so much of uh, it uh, created uh, a stem feed for okay. 100 let me, let me billion point, let me views. Point, let me point to this, Mr. Chu. There, there was a report recently uh, that, that compared hashtags on Instagram to hashtags on TikTok. TikTok and what trended, and the differences were striking. So, for something like hashtag Taylor Swift or hashtag Trump, researchers found roughly two Instagram posts for every one on TikTok. That's not a dramatic difference. That difference jumps, jumps to eight to one for the hashtag Uyghur, and it jumps to 30 to one for the hashtag Tibet, and it jumps to 57 to one to the hashtag Tiananmen Square, and it jumps to 174 to 1 for the hashtag Hong Kong protest. Why is it that on Instagram, people can put up a, a hashtag Hong Kong protest 174 times compared to TikTok? What censorship is TikTok doing at the re request of the Chinese government? None. Senator, that analysis, is flawed. That the analysis is flawed. It's been debunked by other external sources like the Cato Institute. Fundamentally, a few things happen here. Not all videos carry hashtags. That's the first thing. The second thing is that you cannot selectively choose a few words within a certain Why time Why the period. difference between Taylor Swift and Tiananmen Square? What happened in Tiananmen Square? Senator, there was a massive protest uh, during, in, in, during that time. But what I'm trying to say is our users can freely come and post Why this Why would there be no difference on Taylor Swift or a minimal difference and a massive difference on Tiananmen Square or Hong Kong? Senator, could you wrap up, please? Se Senator, our algorithm does not suppress any content simply based on To answer it that question, why yeah. is there a difference? Like I said, I think this analysis is flawed. You're selectively choosing some words over some periods. We haven't been around there as long as other apps. There is an obvious difference. 174 to 1 for Hong Kong compared to Taylor Swift is dramatic. There you have it. That's the exchange. I didn't want to cut out a whole lot of context from it. But uh, stonewalling, stonewalling, and more stonewalling. Dan Schneider, um, walk us through it. Give us your reaction to uh, what you just heard between Senator Cruz and the CEO of TikTok. Well, well Rich, uh, this is the first time I actually heard that part of, of today's hearing. And, and I was left um, dumbstruck. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you remember this, Rich. I was at Tiananmen Square. Oh, wow. I, 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 was, I, had, I I'd lived in China for a year, and, and my time in China was cut short because of Tiananmen. What did this TikTok chief say happened at, the, at Tiananmen? He said, a massive protest. That's not the remarkable thing that happened at Tiananmen. Right. It was a massive right. massacre. The CEO of TikTok couldn't even you know, be transparent and tell the truth about what happened at Tiananmen Square. He couldn't let viewers and listeners hear what happened. He censored himself. That's exactly what happens with TikTok. And of course, it, 
maybe he's technically right that he's he's not censored anything because the Chinese Communist Party told him to. He doesn't need to be told to. He knows that if he doesn't, there will be hell to pay. Just like he knew he could not say that there was a massacre at Tiananmen Square. He said it was massive protest. You know, this this is disturbing that such a huge and powerful corporation on the planet that invades our lives and manipulates our children gets away with this kind of of rhetoric. And and Ted Cruz was great, by the way. He was a star. So was was Josh Hawley. He was a star today. Mm -hmm. There were some great senators who who put the feet to the fire of these people. And and earlier I was I was sort of criticizing the, the purpose of today's hearing. It was still an important hearing, even if the Democrats are using it to to run cover for the border crisis. Right. But but uh, but I, I I was left a little speechless at this TikTok guy. I mean, it, it's yeah, it's it's when breathtaking. Called, it's kind of like calling the Holocaust, you right. know, a, a you know, a really you know a, a really bad campout. <laughs> and I don't mean to laugh at that in any disrespect, but yeah, you're right. It's it just absolutely crazy. I mean, I, I've, I've to this day, I've never seen the full footage of the guy getting run over by the tank, but I've seen some of the aftermath after the riots and the cops are beating everybody to death and these fires on vans and people all over the place. And, and it was just absolute carnage uh, following uh, Tiananmen Square. And to, to just trivialize it that way, I think is just unfair, but so true to exactly what China is, a massive censorship operation. Folks, Stick with me. I'm coming right back with Dan Schneider. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, amigos, welcome back, familia. We continue our conversation with Dan Schneider from the Media Research Center. And Dan, I want you to tell everybody about the work that you're doing in the couple of minutes we have before the, the hour rounds out. Uh, I know your Free Speech America program and, and the work that you're doing at MRC are, are making an impact, and I want you to tell everybody about it. Yeah, yeah Rich, thanks. Uh, and I'll, I'll put it in terms of this hearing. You know, this was a very important hearing to, you know, about... Uh, how big tech companies essentially are profiting off of child exploitation and and have a financial incentive to do so. And it seems like they are taking advantage of that financial incentive. But that is just one of the many, many problems that big, big tech is responsible for for uh, uh, for our society. There, there are big constitutional structural questions like free speech rights. Uh, these big tech platforms have been colluding with government to silence us. Everybody listening to you right now, I am confident, has heard about how big tech silenced the whole Hunter Biden laptop story. Yeah. And uh, our own polling shows that that did, in fact, swing the election for Joe Biden. Uh, 9.3% of Biden voters would have would not have voted for him had they only known of the Hunter Biden laptop story. But they didn't. Because now, Dan, it was all I just set. want to make sure you have time to plug the website. Let everybody know how they can follow the work you're doing. Well, you can go to mrc.org. That's the mothership. That's where you can get all information about you know, Newsbusters, Free Speech America, our work. Yep. And we've got investigation projects. We've exposed how this government is doing terrible things to censor us. Excellent. 
Folks, that's Dan Schneider. Check him out at MRC.org, and you can follow him on Twitter. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. I'm Rich Valdez. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Uh, welcome to the Wednesday night edition of the program. It's our number two, and our phone number, if you want to join us, 833-4825-337-8334, Valdez. And uh, again, big tech CEOs were under fire today on Capitol Hill, uh, likely as a smokescreen to cover up what's going on with Alejandro Mayorkas and the failure at the border. And I want to talk about that. We um, also have a couple other things. Uh, RFK Jr. says he may run as a libertarian. Uh, I'm going to get your thoughts and more on that in a little bit. And uh, Senator Graham tells Mark Zuckerberg that he has blood on his hands during that big tech hearing. Hezbollah terrorists claim that they're going to stop attacking U.S. troops in order to prevent embarrassment for Baghdad. Go figure. That's kind of crazy. And um, DeSantis won his... um, his case against Disney uh, where they, they tossed it right out of court saying that they didn't have uh, legal standing to bring the case, but we still remain with a lot of problems, right? And problems in education, they stem from a lot of different places. Uh, but it, there's a piece right now on Fox news written by professor Nick Giordano that really lends itself well to showing the link between how corrupt and toxic our education system has become and how the border crisis is exacerbating that. So I want to talk about that and get into a couple of other topics with Professor Nick Giordano. Professor Nick, welcome, sir. Always a pleasure to be with you, Rick. My man. Good to hear from you, brother. And uh, let's uh, dig into this a little bit. how do you see this link between the craziness at the border and what's happening in classrooms across the country? Well, you and I have spoken about the collapse of our education system. The quality is at all-time lows. The proficiency rates are at all-time lows. But people aren't paying attention to long-term. When it comes to the immigration crisis on the southern border and illegal immigration, People don't realize the numbers that are coming through. So you've had 400,000 minors come through under the Biden administration and then over 2 million family units coming through under the Biden administration. As a humane nation, we believe in educating children, but the systems are being overwhelmed. So take New York City alone. In one year, 30,000 new students enrolled in the New York City public education system. In Denver, Colorado, you have 300 new students per week for the last few months of rolling in the system. And I want people to really understand what that means. First of all, the quality of education 
going to go down even further. You cannot sustain that many newly enrolled students and absorb them into the system in that fast of a time. But even worse than that is how the left has done away with the assimilation process in the United States. They moved in favor of this diversity, equity, inclusion model that promotes anti-Americanism. Yet over 45 districts adopt the 1619 project, which is a false history that's been debunked by the right and the left scholars. And yet these students are going to be getting lessons that they're victims that they're going to be oppressed, that America is a horrible country. Now imagine traveling all that journey in the horrendous conditions to a land of opportunity. Now you're being told that the place you came to is a racist, inherently evil country to oppress them and victimize them. And so how are these grow and go through this system, and how could they ever gain a loyalty and respect for the United States when that's what they're, they're being taught? The left did away with the idea of the melting pot, where when you come to this country, you have to adopt American values, you have to assimilate to the American culture. Now, what the left wants you to do, they want America to assimilate to all the different cultures that are coming here to create a more tribal society. And on top of that, you have the American students who aren't getting the American education. So how can they defend what they don't even know? And this is a recipe for disaster. I agree, Nick Giordano. I think that this is uh, obviously hurting us, and it, it puts us in a really, really um, delicate position. Uh, because, and again, I was talking about this earlier before you came on, how we have students that were kicked out of class, and these students were kicked out of class so that they could close down a school to accommodate uh, illegal aliens because they were running out of space in the shelter that they put in, and there was a storm coming. I mean, the the level of crazy that we're going through to accommodate people that are not citizens over people that are citizens, to me, is unfathomable. But taking it a step further, it's exactly what you're talking about. You're taking people that are coming brand new into the country. And it's it's almost like when communist regimes take over in a, I don't know, Cuba, anywhere else. Re-education is their focus, right? Uh, Re-education camps is what they do. It seems that what we're doing is the same exact MO, but we're doing it a different way. We're doing it by way of bringing in people to the country. And now that we have these new people in the country, we put them in the classroom to then indoctrinate them, to teach them about America's racist roots, how bad we are, the uh, diaspora of the Northern Triangle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, America bad, everybody else good. And it puts us in a position where uh, you get, you're raising people that otherwise likely would love this country because they're here, like you said, for the American dream. They're here to make better lives for themselves and for their family. They're here to do absolutely everything that they can to make uh, their lives better. And instead, they're being made, uh, they're being met with this disdain from from their teachers, professors, et cetera, saying, you know, we, we all hate America. And I'm wondering, other than securing the border and, and shutting it down, how do you see us actually remedying the situation, Professor Nick Giordano? We need to change the curriculums. We need to get rid of this DEI model, and we need to start instituting a pro-American curriculum that actually teaches real American history. And I'm talking about the totality of American history, both the good and the bad. The left likes to say that, oh, you just want to sugarcoat American history and not speak about the bad. 
No, students are getting the knowledge about the Bay. They, they learn about slavery, the Trail of Tears, Japanese internment camps. What they can't do is pass a constitutional test or a citizenship exam. My semester just started. Not a single student was able to pass these exams. And that's uh, your tradition, right? You always do a, a citizenship exam on all your students? It is my tradition. I have to keep it going. You would think they would, you know, they know would talk right? to each other and they would <laughs> figure it out that they're going to get one. But apparently they don't. But it really, it gets a little bit depressing because, uh, again, when you look at concepts like liberty and freedom, you have to be taught those concepts. If you're not taught them, you're willing to give up your liberties fairly easy. And isn't that what we saw throughout the coronavirus? How many people were just silent with decree after decree after decree, not standing up? There are so many today that believe that government gives us our rights rather than understanding that our rights are inherent and the government is actually limited. And that's what makes our Constitution so unique and different than every other constitution around the world. Folks, we're on with Professor Nick Giordano, a political science professor from Suffolk Community College in New York. He's host of the PAS Report uh, podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that. And we're coming right back to discuss his piece in uh, foxnews.com. And I also want to get his take on some of the 2024 candidates. You got Nikki Haley out there speaking on uh, the Breakfast Club, the hip-hop station in New York, saying that she blames Trump for divisive politics. (laughs) I think that's rich. But anyway, we're going to get into that and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. chaotic. He's made it self-absorbed. He's made people dislike and judge each other. He's left that a president should have moral clarity and know the difference between right or wrong. And he's just toxic. I mean, he, you know, I think a lot of the things he broke needed to be broken. But he doesn't know how to fix things again. And it's not okay to just break. You've got to fix it and make it better. So, Professor Nick Giordano, welcome back. And you just heard Nikki Haley say that Trump is toxic. Trump has made politics divisive. Uh, She makes it sound like he single-handedly did all these things. Now, I know that there are a lot of people out there that believe that that's exactly the case, right? That before politics were perfect before Trump came around. Nobody was ever anybody's throats. There, There was never any type of discord. We never had political duels where people shot each other. None of that ever happened before the days of El Trumpito de Aldous Magnus. Right, Professor? That's true, because I never heard a president say elections have consequences and I won, so sit down, John McCain. I've, I've never heard... Republicans be compared to the mullahs of Iran. So you're, and, and our, our current president that told everyone that Republicans want to put 
blacks back in chains. Uh, Nikki Haley, I, I don't know what she's doing because the way to win a Republican primary is not through Democrat voters. And it seems like right. that's who she's trying to appeal to. Uh, you know, and it's amazing because in her candidacy, mm-hmm. she has yet to criticize the bureaucracy that has thoroughly abused its power uh, against Trump's administration, against parents at school board meetings, against traditional Catholics that just want to go to mass. I have yet to hear any criticism of the abuses of power that we've witnessed in the bureaucracy. You know, what I find interesting, Professor, is how it seems to me that her purpose, again, is that the same of, of Chris Christie's, right? I don't think Chris Christie was looking to win the nomination and become president. I, don't, I also don't feel like Nikki Haley's trying to become president. I feel like they have one sole purpose, and it is to kind of serve as the Republican in the room that is critical of Trump. And even though that's not how, like you said, that's not how you win a primary. Uh, I know a lot of people, and I, I say it all the time, I like Nikki Haley. I don't like the way she's conducting this campaign, but I, I do like her. And I, I talk to people and say, you know, I like Nikki Haley, but um, I don't think she has a shot. I, I wouldn't, at this point, from what I've heard her say, I would not want her to be president of the United States. Uh, we already have people like that in office. We don't need another one. But uh, before, before she ran against Trump, I thought she was very level-headed and a very intelligent person. And I guess my question to you is, what is your take on her purpose in this election? Well, it's weird because when you look at people like Nikki Haley and the never Trump Republicans and you look at Democrats, they keep doing the same thing that created Trump in the first place. They keep on pushing the same policies that led to Trump becoming president of the United States in the first place. And you think they'd know that by now, but they haven't seen that. Uh, So it really is amazing. I don't know what role she serves in in this election anymore. Now, I'm not saying she should drop out. She can make that own decision. But if you're advising President Trump, you just say, don't even acknowledge her at this point. You're you're up in the polls in South Carolina by 30 or 40 points. You're, You're winning all the Republican states by bigger margins than you won before. He's a former president of the United States. So while he doesn't have the bully pulpit of the president, he's Trump. He knows how to capture that bully pulpit. Uh, But, yeah, she serves no role right now. And I don't know what the thinking is behind it. Me either. And I find it really interesting that we're in the space that we're in because, I mean, I guess somebody's got to do it. And I also understand there's a place to capitalize. Right. Um, You know, Ramaswamy went into his campaign, um, ended up coming out of his campaign, making money on the deal. So uh, I understand it, it, for some people it, it can be lucrative. Obviously, the amount of PR, you know, um, well, just put it this way, right? If your name is Vivek Ramaswamy, and this is not a slight on him at all, but not an easy name, right? Uh, and today it's probably at least a household name in, in, most, in most households that watch the news or listen to at least talk radio. Um, and and that, that's, I think, a big achievement, right, to, to make a name like Vivek Ramaswamy a, 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 a nationally known name. And he achieved that by running for president. So I think Nikki Haley's doing something very similar, making herself uh, out there quite a bit. However, uh, she's alienating the base. So to me, it, it leads me to believe that she doesn't really care to be a Republican. Um, her move, very similar to Liz Cheney, is going to be you know elsewhere, whether it's in media or just being that anti-conservative um, type of, of Republican, the uh, country club Republican, if you will. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. And normally, I mean, when you look at these races, normally they're just 
jockeying for vice president. I mean, you see it with Tim Scott, right? Senator Scott, he's actually positioned himself very well for a potential vice president slot. You would think that Haley, seeing what the poll numbers are, that she would start to try and position herself to perhaps maybe get that vice president slot. But it's clear that's not what this is about. Yeah. And, and again, each of them, like Ramaswamy, Tim Scott, they seem to be trying to to ingratiate themselves with the campaign, to support Trump, to really to, to be there for him. Um, Haley obviously is an opponent and she's not going to do that. But she seems to me to just be not interested. Right. Uh, how if he's leading the way and you want to woo his voters. Right. That's the, the way you beat him is by taking away his support and getting them to vote for you. But it seems like she's not playing that game. She's simply no. trying to cater to people that don't like Trump, which are clearly a minority. Well, and, and I think there is a split in the Republican Party today. I, I think that the Republican Party, is, as a people, are, they're tired of the policies that the Republicans were pushing for quite a long time to getting about ordinary people. And so you're starting to see this change. You're starting to see a movement back towards a weird sort of conservatism, because it's not like President Trump, former President Trump is a real conservative, but you're starting to see that push back towards conservatism. Maybe we need to limit government. We need to shut down the border. We need to be fiscally responsible. And then you have the other wing of the Republican Party that's saying, no, we need to throw money all over the world at all these different countries. We, we, need, to, we need the immigrants coming in to keep down you know, the ages and the corporations need the workers the Lindsey Grahams of the world. So I think Nikki Haley is aligning with, with the old establishment wing of the party. And I think that part of the party is dying out. Wow. That's interesting because I feel like, um, that that's, um, I, I don't think there's ever a comeback for them. I think they just have to be. Well, here's the calculation <laughs> that they're making. They're making that calculation that if Trump loses, the Republican party goes back to the old school days. But I think those days are gone and they haven't realized that yet. I think you're right. Now, Nick Giordano, um, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about. About what? Ah, yes. When we come back, I'm going to talk about immigration. But I want you to tell everybody how they can find you on the PAS report. Everyone go to PASReport.com. They can also go to CampusReform.org. See the great work Campus Reform does, keeping everyone informed about the college campus craziness that we're witnessing uh, and at PAS report on all the social media channels. Thank you, Nick Jordan. I apologize for that. I was getting uh, some communication in my ear from my producer and I was talking to both of you at the same time. All right, Nick Giordano, check him out on Twitter. Check him out on his podcast, The PAS Report. And you can check him out here. He'll definitely be back. Nick, good talking to you. See you soon, my brother. You bet. All right, folks, we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 
5337-833-4VALDES. That's Valdez with an S. You have the right to close up your border. You don't need bills that complicate it and make it to a level that nobody's going to be able to do it. And the minimum was 5,000 people a day, if that can be right. I, it's hard to believe that that can be right. But they were negotiating to allow 5,000 people a day. That's a tremendous amount. Nobody wants to have that happen to our country. And they're still not going to know where they're coming from. Right now, we have no idea who these people are that are pouring into our countries. Last night, I watched where they're beating up police officers in New York City, a gang of people that just came in that didn't speak English. Nobody knows who they are, where they come from. And very importantly, they come from, I can tell you, they come from jails and prisons. They come from mental, mental institutions and insane asylums. And they're terrorists. They have a lot of terrorists coming, too. And we don't want them. I'm sorry. You know, so we had a very strong border. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez here with you and uh, keeping you company till 1 a.m. tonight. Listen to this. Um, you've got President Trump talking about this story coming out of New York where illegal immigrants, uh, four of them, from what I could see on this video that went viral last night, of uh, these guys um, kicking two cops that were scuffling with uh, uh, a potential suspect, trying to get him into handcuffs. And these guys come and they just start kicking the cops while they're down. Uh, trying to handcuff the guy. I mean, absolutely insane. And he's right. When Trump says, where do these guys come from? Where do you find people that just start kicking cops, right? Uh, I know that 10 years ago, hard to find people like that. There were a handful, but now it's it seems to be the majority. It's the norm. You got these two cops on the floor and here I'm watching the video as we speak and they're kicking them and they're kicking them and they're kicking them. And they're trying to get the guy out of there. And while he's trying to subdue the guy, get him in handcuffs. The other guy comes, he kicks him from behind. I mean, they look like Antifa. It's absolute bedlam what's going on uh, in this ab- in this uh, actual video that I'm watching. And uh, even Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, weighs in and says maybe we should get them a one-way ticket, uh, meaning deport them. And uh, now some people are coming down on her. So who else would I call besides my Gumbadi Cheech, right? My buddy Curtis Sliwa, the founder of the Guardian Angels, uh, right in New York City. Curtis Sliwa, welcome back, sir. Oh, great to be with the liberty-loving Latino again, Rich Valdez. Sir, thank you, brother. And I saw this and I said, where are the guardian angels when you need them at a moment like this? What's going on in New York City, Curtis? Uh, We're in Times Square patrolling that area that has been uh, basically taken over by the illegal aliens from Venezuela. And it's not like they just came there on their own. They were invited here by Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens. They've been put up in hotel rooms in the gateway to the world, Times Square, at $400 a night. We give them culturally appropriate food, iPhones, smartphones, health insurance, whatever they want, the illegal aliens get. And yet they've gone out into the streets. They've observed the American way of jostling and uh, going in and stealing products out of stores, shoplifting, they realize there are no ramifications. There are no consequences for American citizens. So they've decided to uh, follow in our footsteps. And now they're forming gangs, always to protect themselves against other gangs who are already there. But what they eventually do is they turn on their own people. They shake them down. They extort 
and this vicious vicious cycle is beginning now, and you saw it in its very worst form when the gang assaulted two police officers who were just trying to move them from one corner to another corner. And I think the most interesting thing, which if you look at that video, you said, okay, you had two cops trying to move about 10 to 12 of these bad hombres. Mm-hmm. But notice the cops, they don't have nightclubs. They have yeah. nothing. Uh, they, that was nightclubs were taken away from them a long time ago. And, uh, uh, let but wasn't me that replaced something. with the uh, expandable baton? Yeah, but they never pull out the expandable baton. It really doesn't work. It's not effective. It's not a deterrent. But the good old-fashioned nightstick, I could mm-hmm. give you a wooden shampoo, Richard Valdez, <laughs> your mother would have felt the vibrations, or I could crack you in your kneecap or your shin. So even if you get away, you'll you'll be limping a few blocks away, and other cops can come and pick you up because they'll know that had to be you. Right. Yeah. And Curtis Lee, you know, this to me, and again, we've seen things like this before a week ago, two weeks ago, I thought about you when I read this story. Uh, It was um, one of these jails or not jails. I'm saying it wrong. It's probably like a jail. It was a shelter for illegal immigrants. Might have been the one that you're always protesting outside of. And uh, the security guard got into a knife fight with one of these guys and had to cut the guy. And it's when you when the security guard has to have a knife on him, you know, things are really, really dangerous, Curtis. Well, that's Randall's Island. That's a huge tent that was put up. <clears throat> Again, the gang, the house gang, they controlled it now, or the Venezuelans, and they stuffed underneath their mattress all kinds of shivs, knives, other weapons. Basically, once you go into that tent, you answer to the Venezuelan gang. So if you're from North Africa, your other parts are in there from Asia or other parts of South America, you do what the Venezuelans tell you. If not, they'll slice you. And uh, they basically have taken complete control of the many tents that are up in New York City. And they're, uh, they remember, Joe Biden lay, named them a special uh, migrant group. They are considered untouchables. And they know no matter what they do, no matter where they do it, Maybe they'll get arrested, but they'll get cut loose. Limigre Immigration Naturalization Mm -hmm. Service, ICE, will never be called because these are sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. So they know they got it like that, and they're taking full advantage of it now. Folks, we're on with Curtis Sliwa. He's founder of the uh, safety patrol group known as the Guardian Angels. You've probably seen them on television. They wear the red sateen jackets and the red berets. And uh, some of you who are at least my age, maybe a little older, might remember seeing them in the background in one of the Charles Bronson Death Wish movies when they were in Los Angeles. And the Guardian Angels are right across the street. Uh, A big icon in New York City seeing the Guardian Angels and their leader and their founder, Curtis Lee, was on with us, a broadcaster in his own right, uh, a legend in his own mind, as he likes to say. And we're coming right back with Curtis Lee. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
America at Night with Rich Valdez. We have not concluded negotiations, so we will keep going to get this done. Democrats have always been ready and willing to have a debate on the border. We want to get this done. Of course, if you don't recognize that voice, it's the voice of Senator Chuck Schumer. Now, I remember, I don't know if it was this summer or a few summers back, a couple of years back, where I was in the Puerto Rican parade with Curtis Slewa as he was shouting at Senator Chuck Schumer, calling him Chucky Schmucky Schumer. And and the senator, of course, looked over at Curtis and just kind of rolled his eyes and uh, he didn't want anything to do with Curtis. <laughs> Curtis Slewa, when you hear Chuck Schumer, uh, what's your first reaction? Uh, schmuck, putz. Fisher, Schmendrick, just a guy who is so self-absorbed, responsible for these open borders, uh, and most importantly now using as an excuse that people, because they follow Planned Parenthood and use marital contraceptives, they haven't produced enough offspring. So we don't have enough worker bees. So now he's justifying the invasion of illegal aliens to fill slots that American children and grandchildren refuse to work or just won't show up to work. And so basically we, we listened to him. We, we went to Planned Parenthood. We used our marital contraceptives, but he said we did too good a job. So now we need the illegal aliens in to be the worker bees. Unbelievable. And again, I want to, I want to reiterate here, um, you know, while they're having this showdown in Congress over funding, You've got Biden lying through his teeth saying that's Joe El Baboso Biden lying through his teeth saying that uh, he needs Congress to act so that he can actually do his job, which is a a straight out lie. And then we've got these four uh, young men between uh, 19 and 24 years old. Listen to these names. Right. I was waiting to hear, you know, these guys are all like illegal immigrants from um, South America. I thought we were going to hear names like uh, Juan or Jose, you know. But no, we got Kelvin, Darwin, Wilson, and Yorman are the four individuals that were arrested, uh, along with a um, Johan Boada, uh, who's the fifth migrant charged in the gang assault on two NYPD cops in Times Square last night. Curtis Lewa, I'm glad that these guys got caught. And this guy, um, this guy, Boada, uh, there's a picture of him here. He gives the camera not one. But two middle fingers because these guys were all released after beating the crap, kicking them while they were down. They were all released without bail. It's what I'm reading in the New York Post. Yeah. Well, think of it. Think of it, Rich. Uh, remember, the term that the Biden administration and Mayorkas uses is they were paroled into our country. Well, mm-hmm. if, they were, if they were on parole, revoke their parole and then put them on a jet and deport them, give them to ICE. But see, they won't do that in New York City or New York State because we pride ourselves on being a sanctuary city, a sanctuary state. And as a result of that, our law enforcement, our criminal justice system has been told by our local officials, especially Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, not (laughs) to work with ICE. So if you don't work with ICE, and they know who's coming and going, who's going, coming across the border, who are the shot callers, uh, which are the uh, the arrivals from the worst countries 
that are having problems in which they may just be transporting their problems here. Think of Maduro. He's so happy. He's been able to release young men of uh, military age who could either have been a nemesis to him by joining the insurgency or they're just drug dealers and gangbangers and hoodlums or they have emotional problems. He releases them, cleans them out of their, his jails and mental asylums and sends them north to America where the Papa Chulo, Joe Biden, embraces them and says, give me your tired, give me your poor, just keep sending them across our borders. This is madness. This is absolute madness, Rich. <laughs> I love Joe Biden, the Papi Chulo. That's great. <laughs> and that's who he is, right? He's he's bringing everybody in. He is. He's literally like a pimp and he's bringing everybody in uh, on our dime. Uh, Curtis Sliwa, I want you to stick with us. When we come back, I want to hear a little bit about your day job when you're not out on the streets on patrol, riding the subway, subways, uh, dealing with the bad hombres in New York City. I want to talk about Curtis Sliwa's rip and read, and we're going to talk about that straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. is America. This is night. This is Rich Valdez. Call now 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos and amigas. And many of you guys know that I, um, I'm a native New Yorker and moved to Jersey as a teenager. And before I did this program, I, I, for a number of years, I was on the air in New York City doing local talk radio in New York. And I don't think I've ever shared this part of uh, my story on the air. But my very, very first time on the air uh, for like a full radio show, I was substituting for Juliet Huddy. She used to be on the Fox News Channel and had a radio show with our guest, Curtis Lewa. And I was scheduled to do some other on-air work in Philadelphia and on the Mark Levin show. When uh, Curtis heard about that, he said, well, you know, the next time Juliet Huddy's absent, you, you can fill in for her. And lo and behold, it happened like the next day. So a day or two later, I was uh, in the studio with Curtis doing my very first full radio show, three-hour show, uh, live on the air with Curtis Sliwa. And what an eye-opening experience it was. And it's great to have him here. And he still does an amazing radio show in New York City. Curtis Lewa, welcome back. No, oh, my hands across the, the land of opportunity that is produced for us, the liberty-loving Latino, from Brooklyn, as you mentioned, to New Jersey, and now across the nation. Thank you, Curtis Lewa. Always a pleasure and always inspiring to talk to you. And I was just telling our producer during the break of what it was like. I learned so much in that first show that I did with you about broadcasting. And it's safe to say that Curtis Lewa has probably forgotten more about broadcasting than than I know to date. And I hope to catch up. 
Now, Curtis Sliwa, when you're out there flexing your radio muscles, um, tell everybody that's listening what what a rip and read looks like with you uh, when you do your show every afternoon. Curtis, did the deep state get you? Yes. Okay. No, <laughs> Go I just it. got knocked off my, my chair here. <laughs> 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 my cats, my cats attacked me. <laughs> oh, that's great. Live radio, folks. Cats and everything. That's right. And my cats took great umbrage that Rich Valdez was dominating my time and I wasn't feeding them. <laughs> Well, Curtis, tell everybody what the Rip and Read is like. What was your show like today? Uh, Rip and Read is that's when I do the deep dive and I expose the fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi politicians, whether they be Republicans or Democrats, because they'll all of a sudden they'll create a headline. And the, the people, you know, they'll wonder whatever happened to that because they'll make a promise or they'll start spending money and then they're not accountable. And then there's no transparency and there's no bid contracts. And Rich Valdez, in the world of politics, you say contract. And I say, I want to know who's getting the kickbacks. So today mm-hmm. I was doing a deep dive on Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, who suffered a crushing defeat in his city council as they voted over his veto. He had vetoed a bill, and rightfully so. That would have forced the police to write down uh, a report on every interaction with every citizen that they would have on an eight-hour patrol, which would mean all they'd be doing is paperwork. The problem what he did was he never lobbied the city council. He never spent his political capital on trying to convince them to vote in what was in the best interest of uh, a law and order city as opposed to a lawless city, which we are increasingly becoming – he loves he loves uh, ribbon cuttings. He loves photo ops. He loves to hear himself talk, but he, he does not get down to the business of administering the city. I lost to him the first time, but I'll tell you this much, Rich Valdez. I'm coming back at that sucker this sec- second time, and I'm going to make sure he ends up becoming a haberdasher because he wears such fine $5,000 <laughs> customized suits. Oh, that's terrific. And in the minute we got left, or 30 seconds, Curtis, um, 2024, how do you handicap that? Well, I think it really depends on the female vote. That's something that the Trump, uh, Team Trump has got to really work on. Uh, But it's a long way. You know, right now, if the election were tomorrow, I I think uh, this country would would reelect Donald Trump president of the United States. But it's a long way to November, and I don't know if Papa Chulo got what it takes. He may end up being told, hey, it's time for you to to get up on the shelf, Papa Chulo, Joe Biden. It's Barack (laughs) Obama and Michelle Obama time with Gruesome Newsome from California. Ay, bendito. Curtis Leo, everybody. Curtis, thanks for being with us, my brother. Oh, anytime, my liberty-loving Latino friend. It's my hands across. Rich Valdez is America. Amen to that. Folks, we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. Live 
from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to our number three of the program. We like to call it Open Phone America. And if you want to join us, feel free, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. So it's Wednesday night uh, going into Thursday. And um, here are some of the headlines I'm looking at. Uh, We've got Biden. He's decided to finally visit uh, where that train was derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. And that's for the one year anniversary of the train derailment. Uh, He was widely criticized for not showing up. As a matter of fact, uh, they had they didn't have water and whatnot when it happened. And the uh, president, uh, former President Trump, actually showed up and gave out bottles of water at this uh, particular scene uh, back when that happened. And uh, we have a clip of Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, explaining exactly what's going on. Check this out. When the president is in East Palestine, will he drink the water there? I mean, look, what I can tell you is the president's focus has been to do everything that he can to support this community from day one. We get what's going on on the ground. We understand what's going on. That's why we've had the EPA. That's why we had DOT. That's why we had HHS. That's why we've had FEMA on the ground. Um, You know, this is not about some sort of, like, political stunt here. This is not about, this is not what this is about. This is about this president being a president for everyone and showing up, showing up for this community. That's what this is about. All right, so that is Karine Jean-Pierre um, trying to uh, play her miniature violin and make this uh, very, you know, this is what it's about, and that's what's going on, and be very whimsical about it. Um, the fact is, Biden didn't go back when he went. Um, she doesn't care if he drinks the water or not. She's just got to come up with something clever to say. And when people didn't have water and it was unsafe, President Trump was on the scene giving out water when it happened. So, and he wasn't president, <laughs> right? Uh, it's, it's safe to say, I don't think he'd even announced at that time. He was just former President Trump and trying to uh, you know, do what he believed was right. Even if you say it's a cheap political attempt, he was there doing it. Biden didn't even do the cheap political attempt, if you want to go down that road. So, um, yeah, good for him. Good for Trump uh, for doing the right thing. And come on, what, yet one more uh, failure, one more disappointment from Joe El Baboso Biden. What are you going to do? Right. That's just uh, what we're kind of used to dealing with. Then um, let's see. There's another story here. Portland, Oregon is now declaring a state of emergency over what? Fentanyl. They decriminalized drugs back in 2020. Now officials are declaring a state of emergency because of the use of fentanyl. I mean, if that isn't uh, a classic situation of stupid liberal policies coming back to bite you in the rear end, I don't know what is. But this is what happens when you worship at the altar of of these fools that think that, you know, decriminalizing anything, everything should should stay criminal, in my opinion. 
right? People want to decriminalize this and decriminalize that and this and that and the third. And uh, We don't call them prostitutes now. We call them sex workers because we've been going after the wrong people. That part I understand. If you want to stop prostitution, stop the people that are buying the prostitutes, right? Uh, and stop the prostitutes. You arrest everybody, just like everything else, right? People that go to buy drugs, they arrest everybody. That's how that works. It's how I, I've watched like more than one episode of Cops. I've seen it happen. So come on, let's get real here. This is the way they do police work in tons of places. Um, we don't need to sit here and start making excuses for people saying because of this and that and the third. And honestly, this is what's ripping apart the fabric of our country. It really is saying that, you know, people are allowed to go looting in the daytime. They're allowed to go into their local convenience drugstore and steal what they want because of the way that their ancestors were treated in the past. Bravo, Sierra. B.S. Not real. And I think that's that's the easiest way I can put it. How else does anybody say that that this makes any type of sense? We've got to t- teach people to be kind, teach people to be respectful, and that's it. I mean, this is the, the, our goal in life, right, to just raise good people as parents. And if those who don't have parents, the rest of us have to, you know, take on this, this uh, adage of it takes a village and, and try and teach one, the next one, you know, the person next to you. We have to become a little bit more oriented in, uh, in the idea of community or we're never going to have a community again. But the governor of Oregon has now declared an emergency in the city of Portland a few years after the state became the first in the nation to largely decriminalize drug use. Oregon had paved the way as the first state to decriminalize drug use. Paved the way to what? Stupidity? Where they had people um, like zombies? I mean, this is the issue that they ran into. Uh, Passing what they called Measure 110 back in 2020. Instead of incarcerating drug users, the measure focused on addiction and recovery with Portland police officers handing out citations. You know, it's interesting. While that was happening, they decided in New York to hand out vending machines that were dispensing uh, crack pipes, clean syringes, you know, just encouraging more public drug use. So you can have people like that, like you do in Philadelphia, right? People in Philly, there are people in the streets. It's like a zombie land. They're just getting high and walking around and falling down on the streets, living on the streets. When I worked in New York City, uh, my studio was 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, the iconic Madison Square Garden. And I can tell you, um, I would climb over the bodies of people when I would have to walk through Penn Station. My brother had a, uh, a business in Penn Station, and occasionally I'd help him out. And it's absolutely crazy. Sometimes I'd jump on the subway there, and if I didn't walk, like if it was too cold to walk, and literally you have to climb over people because they're everywhere. They're just strewn about the way. It's really just something else. So I say all of that to say that when you allow public drug use, it brings problems. And according to... Um, the piece in CBS News, people can have a chance for treatment and and have their fines waived if they contact sp- specific rehabs. But um, calling the hotline is voluntary. And this is exactly why they had these problems in Oregon. And now, fast forward three years of having this law, nothing a- actually happened. They didn't deliver on their promise and the voters weren't happy with what they were getting. And that's according to Washington County District Attorney Kevin Barton. So the hope was that this more humane approach, and I don't think it's inhumane to say, oh, excuse me, uh, you have a drug problem and you're using your drugs right here in the middle of the street in a park where little kids can see you or people can trip all over you. Um, That's unsafe. It's a hazard to public safety and you've got to go. That's not inhumane. That's called responsible. 
inhumane is exactly what they allowed. They allowed people to defecate publicly, to sit there and live publicly, to be naked, to do what they do, right? Because guess what happens when you create a community of people that live on the street that are high out of their minds? They do whatever they want, and they don't care who's watching. And they start to think that they own the streets and that you're in their home. You literally um, have a situation of the inmates running the asylum. It's just crazy. But that's where we are. So, you know, congratulations to the folks in Oregon for the first time. I actually agree with you. I think Joe El Baboso Biden should take a page from your playbook and he should declare a state of emergency across this country, shut down the border, start going after fentanyl in in large part. And, um, you know, not just when they get one every now and again, but really wage war by putting pressure on China to stop that stuff from coming in and putting pressure on Mexico to stop producing the pills once they get the fentanyl from the Chinese. Those are the two key ingredients, Mexico and China. Once they're both put on notice, we'll be in better shape. It almost makes me think of that time that uh, former President Trump said, well, maybe we need to declare Mexico a narco-terrorist state, and then we could use the military to curtail some of this. And they thought he was crazy. I think it was brilliant, and I think that's exactly what we need right now. And uh, the folks in Oregon, for the first time ever, seem to have gotten it right. It's time to declare a state of emergency everywhere, starting with the southern border. Don't go anywhere. I'm coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. With Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And we're going to get to your phone calls momentarily if you want to join the conversation. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. And uh, let's uh, let's hit the phones here. Let's go to our buddy Doc Wilmington, Delaware, listening on WDEL. Doc, go right ahead. Yes, a um, couple points. I'd like to make your... Your, your listener is aware of a very dangerous movement that's afoot in this country, this Wall Street bat called the, the Third Way dot org. Um, I thought it was the Third Wave, but your your wonderful call screener, uh, um, Tom, corrected me. It's called the Third Way dot org. It has roots here in the corporate center of Delaware, where there's big money off Wall Street. Uh, it, it, the two people behind it in Delaware are a sign of the DuPont family and Ben DuPont, our former governor, Mike Castle. These two clowns are mas- mas- masterminding a nationwide effort to deny President Trump the nomination from the Republican Party. That's point one. Point two, about the police in New York City. I've traveled all over the world in my, in my time with the, with the military and without the military, specifically the Western European countries. And in West Germany, the police are armed with automatic weapons, male and female. They travel in pairs. They have big dogs. I would urge that our police here do the same, Rich. I want our police here to be armed with not only semi-automatic pistols, high-cap pistols, but submachine guns uh, trained in their use, of course, and big dogs. And just treat these, these sub-animal sub criminals the way they should be treated like animals, 
shoot them down the streets if they offer any kind of uh, unlawful resistance and let 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 the, let their fate be to them. Your thoughts, sir? Yeah, uh, run it by me again because I'm not sure I got it. Uh, you want to sh- track down the the Dupont guy as a criminal? No, he's not a criminal. The Dupont guy is is named uh, uh, Ben. No, Dupont. but who, who do you want to go he's, after? I missed it. I it kind of cut in and out my headphones. I want I want to go after the common criminals and the druggies that are taking over our major cities like New York City. Oh, we get, you know, I, listen, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think we need a very aggressive approach to uh, policing, uh, in particular fentanyl, right? You have to, like, prioritize what's going on. I think we need to shut the border down and tell every last person, you know, um, I, I'm sorry what's happening in your country, but we're not doing any asylum right now. We're done right there. Right now we're done. It's shut. We're not taking any new people. Matter of fact, we may have to get rid of some people because over, we're over limit. And then once that happens, we have to really watch out for things. I think Trump was on to something when he, um, you know, threatened to, to label Mexico as a narco terrorist state. And instead of using diplomacy to use the military, uh, I think that was great. And it was a good deterrent because these things have to be done. I, there's all but so much you can do. Right. At some point in life, we come to realizations that we can't allow people to continue to punch us in the face. And asking someone while they're punching you in the face, hey, why are you punching me in the face, is not an effective strategy to stopping them or protecting yourself. So I think it's key for us to say, you know what, what we have to do is stop these people from hurting us, stop the influx of this stuff. And I agree with you. Uh, Put a SWAT team out there. Put as many SWAT teams as you can. Deputize local SWAT teams. You know, uh, there's so many county sheriff's office that have a, um, a SWAT team. I think we need these SWAT teams. To, to aid and assist uh, the the uh, the movement against fentanyl, the movement against all of this stuff, and then then perhaps we can work on uh, other topics. But I, I agree with you, Doc. Uh, that's the way to move forward. We you can't clean things up unless you start cleaning, and if we don't start cleaning, nothing's getting cleaned up. I think that's the simplest way to put it. Doc, thank you for your call, my brother. Good to hear from you. Big shout out to everybody listening in Delaware on W D E L. And uh, let's go to Justin. Justin is in Cumberland, Maryland on WCBC. Justin, what's up? You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. How are you doing today, sir? Wonderful. Thank you. I, uh, I really um, I have to shorten up everything I uh, was going to say because you and two other people just said it, and uh, I really just cap it off. I had said earlier that around the world and then coming to our place now, it seems like this kind of thing either gets solved by uh, brutal mentality or the point of a gun. And then as a veteran, I don't want to see that in my own country, but this is my major question. If you sign up for the military and you're supposed to defend your country against all people, foreign and domestic, when the foreigners become domestic, what do you do as a regular citizen? Well, I think, um, again, you being a military man, uh, I did a little bit of with the police reserve, and I think they use a similar command structure. Um, you always follow your whoever is in your chain of command, and I think that's what most people are going to do. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember any point in our history where people were just like, I think that guy's nuts. We're going to revolt, even like during the Civil War and whatnot. Uh, I think, you know, you had Jefferson Davis, and, and um, they, they started that whole movement there and got Robert E. Lee to, to lead that charge. But ultimately, I think people chose a side, and, and there was a side to choose. Here, we're not at that point, right? So we have one side, and it's, it's the American side, the United States Army or the 
Navy, Marine Corps, uh, Air Force, uh, Coast Guard, they, 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 they're one side, and there has not been a division or an alternative suggested to date. So I, I don't think that um, we, we have any choice but to do what we're told, and I think that's what soldiers do is that they follow orders. Um, again, that's it's my thinking. Um, I, I agree with you that we have these people, but I, I don't think people that are being invited into our nation um, and again, whether they're terrorists or not, right, whether they're coming here to make a better living for their family or they're part of a sleeper cell that wants to kill us later. Neither one of these people came here uninvited. Joe Biden, our president, has invited them into our country, has literally cut wire uh, fences open to allow people to come in. And I've seen the videos of this. Right. That's the guy that sits in the White House in Washington, D.C., I, I have to hold him to blame. So if uh, if he is our domestic enemy, then I think we have to go through our chain of command, if you will. Right. Our options and the options that we have as the citizenry are when you don't like your president, you vote against him. If you think he's done something so egregious uh, before Election Day and you need to get him out even sooner, you write your congressman and you recommend or demand an impeachment. And I think we have an open inquiry into the impeachment of Joe Biden. I don't know how seriously that's being taken because we have a Senate that's run by Chuck Schumer. And I think as long as Chuck Schumer is is breathing, he's not going to ever have a trial against Joe Biden. And I don't think we'll ever get a conviction against Joe Biden. We couldn't even get a conviction against Donald Trump and they hated him. So I think uh, an impeachment is is a an exercise in futility, but a good message sent. They did it twice to Trump. I say we do it four times to Biden. That's how I would do it. But clearly there's a different agenda in Washington. And if you can't impeach the guy, then you got to bring it on Election Day and say, you know what? Tell every last person, you know, you got to vote against this guy because that's the only other way. So I, I don't know that um, it's really going to come down to a point where people in the mil- military or anything like that have to uh, make a call and say, you know, are you uh, my new domestic enemy because you're coming from another country? Uh, I think, you know, nobody is acting alone in the military. Everybody's, you know, a larger part of a whole and following some sort of command structure. That's the best I can do on that one. Thanks for your call, Justin. I appreciate you. The music means we got to take a quick pause, but we're coming back. Big shout out to WCBC in uh, Cumberland, Maryland. And when we come back, we... The rest of your calls, Charleston, South Carolina, Boise, Idaho, Evergreen, Montana, and more. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. down it's america at night with rich valdez call now 833-4-VALDEZ that's 833-482-5337 833-4-VALDEZ that's valdez with an s all right america welcome back and we are Looking at some of the audio clips from earlier today where the CEOs of big tech companies were 
held to account by members of Congress. And, of course, some suggest, and I agree, that it's likely because there has been some real heat being brought against the Biden administration because of the border and because of the impeachment um, effort against Alejandro Mayorkas. But nonetheless, there was uh, some interesting things that came out of today's hearings. And one of them was Senator Marsha Blackburn, uh, who uh, was sounded like she was deposing Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Meta, which owns Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp and something else, I think, uh, over sex trafficking that is happening on social media. And you'll remember there was a big article in the uh, um, Wall Street Journal. um, I think it was about a year ago or less than. Yeah, about a year ago where they clearly pointed out that there were actual sex trafficking rings that were finding some of their victims and finding some of their customers through Instagram. And I found that to be remarkable because I use, you know, it's probably the main social media that I use is Instagram at Rich Valdez with an S, by the way. And I enjoy it because you get to see videos. They're kind of short. It's easier than Twitter with all these little comments that are going around. Twitter's just too busy for me. And, uh, but I go on it every now and again. But my point is, um, it was a really interesting thing, and, and she really beats up on Zuckerberg. And, of course, I want to get to your calls on this as well. So if you're holding on, uh, stick with me. And if you're calling in, feel free, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the uh, phone number. But Blackburn really comes after uh, Zuckerberg here, in particular over sex trafficking that's happening on his social media platforms. Listen to this. There are a lot that is slipping through. It appears that you're trying to be the premier sex trafficking no, of site. Of course not, Senator. In this uh, Senator, that's ridiculous. No, it Senator, is not ridiculous. Uh, you want to turn around this, and tell these people that... We don't want this content on our platforms. And we, why don't you take it down? We do take we it down. We are here discussing... We, we, do we more need work you to take all to than, work than, with than, us. Than, no, you're You know what's really not. interesting here? What's really fascinating here is he says, we are taking it down. Let me tell you something. I bet you anything. I don't have much to bet, but I'll bet you whatever it is. If I was a betting man, that if you put something about Hunter Biden on Instagram, that it would get flagged as misinformation, disinformation, possibly violating community guidelines within an hour, maybe two hours. I bet you anything. And I bet you anything. If you put something about one of these coded things that have to do with this child trafficking stuff that it, it probably wouldn't get flagged. And I think we have a real problem when you can't say something that really happened. I shared a Newsweek article about Hunter Biden and got a note in my inbox saying that I was violating Meta or Instagram's um, community guidelines about, I don't know what, something, I think it said about graphic uh, imagery. and what. I didn't add any pictures. This was an article that had a picture of Hunter Biden uh, with, you know, some stuff blurred out or whatever, but it was clearly not... I mean, there's regular Instagram pictures with chicks with their butts hanging out um, that that are more revealing than what I shared about Hunter Biden. And it wasn't even original to me. I shared a Newsweek article and they flagged me and said that I couldn't do that. So it's clear to me that either Mark Zuckerberg has no idea what's going on or he is incredibly, grossly ignorant of what's actually happening on the platform. Go right ahead. You are not. And the problem is we've been working on this. Senator Welch is over there. We've been working on this stuff for a decade. 
You have an army of lawyers and lobbyists that have fought us on this every step of the way. You work with NetChoice, the Cato Institute, Taxpayers Protection Alliance, and Chamber of Progress to actually fight our bipartisan legislation to keep kids safe online. So are you going to stop funding these groups? Are you going to stop lobbying against this and come to the table and work with us? Yes or no? Senator, we have a... Yes or no? Of course we'll work with you on, on the legislation. Okay, I mean, the it's, door it's is to... open. We've got all these bills. You need, you need to come to the table. Each and every one of you need to come to the table. And you need to work with us. Kids are dying. Kids are dying. And that's the end, uh, the, the bottom line, right? Not only are kids being abused and exploited uh, when it comes to uh, sex trafficking on social media or anywhere else, but ultimately they die. And, you know, I, I can't help but think that this is, uh, should be top of mind for a lot of people. People should give a damn about this. I just don't know if it's happening. So kudos to Senator Marsha Blackburn for that. And Mark Zuckerberg, you know, I think he's got to do a better job. Uh, one of our guests earlier, Dan Schneider, he pointed out that Zuckerberg gets very rattled when they put him under pressure. And I think she's right. Um, he really starts to freak out when she you know, says what's actually happening. And she wasn't making any outlandish claims. Um, she was saying, you know, I don't think it was outlandish to say you want to be the number one sex trafficking uh, social media web platform. And, and the reason it's not outlandish is because, again, this was found by an investigation they did into themselves and was reported by The Wall Street Journal. And they are the biggest uh, until TikTok came around and I think ate their lunch a little bit. So um, not a necessarily unfair statement of her to make, but he definitely started to squirm. And, you know, instead of arguing with her and telling her that that's ridiculous, take a take a firm stand and say, absolutely not. Not that I disagree with you. We just don't do that. We take it extremely seriously. We would never allow that to happen. And every single instance that we're aware of where we catch anything where there's a we're working with the FBI's unit on child trafficking, we're working with whatever authorities that we have to work with to make sure that this happens. And we, we, we don't even ask for them to provide a warrant or a subpoena. We will willfully help any law enforcement that's looking into child exploitation, period, the end, because Facebook stands by that. And as their CEO, I want to assure you that we're doing everything we can to keep kids safe. Why not say something like that? It's not that he's not as eloquent as I am. For sure, the guy speaks well. He knows what he's doing. He didn't care. He was upset because she was calling him out and he was squirming because he knew he was guilty. That's the bottom line with that one. Now, I want to play one more from Senator LaFonza Butler. She's now a Democrat from California. She replaced um, Barbara Boxer, was it? Uh, Or Feinstein. Senator Van Feinstein, excuse me. And she... Uh, is now grilling the co-founder of Snapchat, Evan Spiegel, uh, with the topic of conversation being how easy it is to get illegal drugs on Snapchat. Listen to this. Mr. Spiegel, um, there are a number of parents whose children have been able to access uh, illegal drugs on your platform. What do you say to those parents? Senator, we are devastated that we cannot... To the parents. What do you say to those parents? You know what's fascinating here? Again, somebody asks you a question. That pointed. What do you say to the parents of children who have died or or who have accessed illegal drugs on Snapchat? And you're the CEO of Snapchat. Your answer shouldn't be 15 seconds of silence and then, 
That's not acceptable. Again, firm responses. You're testifying in front of Congress. You need to be like, Madam Senator, absolutely. We stand against this and we stand with you. We're never going to condone this. This is not what Snapchat's all about. We're free speech, blah, 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 whatever type of platform you want to be. But let people know very clearly and very firmly that you don't support this. But again, dumbfounded as if he'd never heard of this, as if he was not testifying in front of Congress. Like, what is wrong with these people? Go ahead. Spiegel. I'm so sorry that we have not been able to prevent these tragedies. We work very hard to block all search terms related to drugs from our platform. We proactively look for and detect drug-related content. We remove it from our platform, preserve it as evidence, we, and then we refer it to law enforcement uh, for action. We've worked together with nonprofits and with families on education campaigns because the scale of the fentanyl epidemic is extraordinary. Over 100,000 people lost their lives last year, and we believe people need to know that one pill can kill. That campaign reached more than 200, was viewed more than 260 million times on Snapchat. All right. I think this one was a little better. He was a little nervous in the beginning, but at least he said something. Now, he did not inspire any confidence for me. I didn't walk away from that going, you know what? My kid has Snapchat. I'm going to let him listen because I feel like that guy, uh, the CEO of Snapchat, he really, you know, um, he, he sounds like he's a dad, too. He sounds like he really cares, like he's really doing the right thing. No, he sounded like a scared little boy that was reading a script. I think you've got to be convincing. And again, I'm not trying to give a lesson on public communication here. But I mean, come on. You're testifying before Congress. People are listening. You've got parents sitting in the gallery listening, waiting to hear what you're going to say. Don't sound like a schmuck on wheels. Anyway, getting to your calls as soon as we come back. Don't go anywhere. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. This morning to beg of my colleagues to help us force the administration to take action. We have to stop this now and put Americans and Americans border security first. That is a speaker of the House commenting on the progress of the deal for the border the border security package. And uh, he says it's dead on arrival once it gets to the House, if it if it's not H.R. Uh, 2, and I doubt it's going to be that. Uh, let's get your thoughts on everything. If you disagree, you get moved to the front of the line because we believe in free speech here. Let's go to San Francisco, California, listening online to Rich Valdez, com. Let's check in with our buddy David. David, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Well, thanks, Rich. I'm glad you played that clip of the speaker 
the guy is such a lion phony. Uh, I mentioned to you a couple of times now uh, that there was a dumbass congressman from Texas a couple of weeks ago, probably almost three weeks ago, who admitted that the Republican Party has no intention of dealing with the border issue. They have no intention. And they want to do the government shutdown, which is going to uh, ruin America's credit rating. And the uh, the fact that they have sabotage on their mind and the the reason why they don't want to have a budget is because they claim it's the border. Yeah, I, I don't follow the logic there, but I'll say this. Uh, so I think what you're describing is a political process. Number one. Right. This is a, a typical thing when when one side is going against another side, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, if they don't agree on something and they're going to go back and forth and they're going to stonewall. That's a uh, typical. Right. It's, it's not like they're going to go, hey, I think we should have border security. You know what? I think you're right, pal. All right. Great. Let's shake hands and do it. It, it doesn't work. It's Washington, D.C. It's politics. It's real life. And when there's submitting proposals that include uh, allowing up to five thousand people a day to come across the border, uh, this is a very tricky thing because we we should not have that right there there are days that uh during the trump administration where there were only 50 people a day that were crossing that border and there is uh president obama's former secretary of homeland security that said if 500 people a day crossed that border we were in a disastrous situation so here we are in real life under the biden administration where we have 9,000, 10,000, 12,000 people crossing that border in a given day. Uh, I think there was three days back to back uh, two weeks ago where they broke records. When you have a situation like that, David, um, it clearly puts America in a bad spot. So uh, kudos to every last Republican that says we would never approve a deal like this one. We shouldn't. We should. Everybody should hold their breath and never, ever, ever vote for a deal like that. And I'm glad Speaker Johnson says that it is dead on arrival. Now, if he is the fake phony fraud that you say he is, then he will approve this deal and we'll have a a, a horrible uh, border deal. But this doesn't stop President Biden from doing his job, from doing what he has to do to protect the American people. And I think that's the number one thing that we need to do is protect Americans. And we're not protecting them by leaving an open border. I hope that makes sense. I appreciate it, David. Thanks for your call. Folks, your calls are coming up next in the speed round. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, here we go. It is the speed round. Let's go to Mark in Washington, Indiana, WBIW. Mark, what's going on with Mark Zuckerberg? Well, uh, there's a lot of questions about that, but one thing I've always wondered is why a person that's not elected, that's super, super rich, has such influence on... um, things in the world that just make you kind of say what's going on because like for me to build or anything like put a fence around my property you have to get a building permit he mm-hmm. supposedly is building a 270 million dollar nuclear bomb bunker in hawaii 
Yeah, and and uh, I'm sure he got a permit. The difference is you and me aren't mega billionaires like he is, and I'm sure he can get whatever permit he needs, right? He's got all the money, nearly all the money in the world. And I, I think that's that what it is. I mean, ultimately, the people with the most influence are never the people that are elected. It's always the rich people, right? It's always the Bill Gateses of the world. It's always the Donald Trump. Look at Donald Trump, how he's so influential, he became president of the United States. I mean, ultimately, having money really goes a long way. Doesn't you know? It's not the be all end all, but man, does it help, right? And I hope to have more of it one day, <laughs> like these guys do. Mark, thank you for the call. Uh, let's continue to Chicago WGN. Uh, let's go to Jim. Uh, what's going on? What do you think of Mayorkas? Okay, Mayorkas. I just just an analogy. Uh, if Mayorkas was a plumber. And the customers are complaining that their pipes are leaking and uh, nothing's being done, even though he's trying to work on them. And this has been going on for three and a half years or more, possibly. Uh, the BBB, the Better Business Bureau, would pretty much take his, uh, his status away. I think you're right. And uh, we need to take his status away uh, with an impeachment. And I hope that happens uh, sooner rather than later. Jim in Chicago, big shout out to WGN. Thank you, sir. Let's go to uh phil in butte montana kxtl what's going on with obama uh i just wanted to make a comment real quick rich uh in my mind i know it might sound kind of silly but i don't think it's ever been definitely proven that obama himself is a citizen and i well, don't you know just to, to interrupt i i all i could say is obama eventually did release his birth certificate um, it doesn't mean that he didn't spend time in Kenya. I think that part's been proven uh, as a kid. He went to a school there, a madrasa, but he did release his, um, his, his birth certificate. And I guess it's up to you or me to, to, to be an expert on birth certificates and say, well, that's not real. I, I, I can't do that. Um, I know that it, had he never released it, then maybe not. But I remember when he did release it. And I guess, you know, in, in the spirit of being a, a decent person, I have to say, all right, if you put your birth certificate out there into, for the world to see, then I should, you know, accept that it's probably real. Phil, thank you for the call. I'm with you. Plus, he's guilty of so many other things. I don't need to fight with him about that one. Uh, let us uh, go to uh, Paulie, Zanesville, Ohio, W-H-I-Z. Go right ahead. Hey, a uh, lot of show, little time, <clears throat> little time. Hey, real quick, quick, Rich, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Trump, uh, he was right on the border the first time. He's right this time, what he says about it. Now, you've got some tattoos, <clears throat> um, and you said he was taking some flack for it. And um, uh, you're over 18, right, Rich? So you can yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> you're right. And I waited till both my parents passed away to get that ink. You know, it's funny. Uh, if you call tomorrow, we'll, we'll pick up where you left off. This guy keeps trying to beat me up on Facebook, telling me that uh, I'm a disgrace because I have some tattoos. Uh, maybe that's the truth for a lot of people, but it's not for me. Thanks, Paul. Hasta mañana, America. God bless you. I'm Rich Valdez. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.